0: This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Weiner. Malcolm X wrote in his autobiography, The American Negro has no conception of the hundreds of millions of other non-whites concerned for him. He has no conception of their feeling of brotherhood for and with him. That was in 1965, and today there's a massive international movement of support for Black Lives Matter, That's what Gary Young says. He's been a columnist for The Guardian, and he's now professor of sociology at the University of Manchester. He's also a member of the editorial board of the nation, and he's the author of the unforgettable book, Another Day in the Death of America, a Chronicle of 10 Short Lives. We reached him today at home in London. Gary, welcome back.
1: Thanks very much, John. Thanks for having me.
0: This summer you say huge crowds gathered across Europe to express their solidarity with the rebellions against police brutality sparked by the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Tell us a little about those events, the big ones and the small ones.
1: Well, they really did spread all over Europe. So um, there were were about 3,500 people turned out in Reykjavik in Iceland. (laughs) Uh, There were a significant number in Helsinki close to home there were quite big demonstrations in London all of this during the pandemic some of the demonstrations got kind of testy in uh, France and in Stockholm and so there was this kind of um, pollination of Black Lives Matter which clearly it starts well this iteration of it starts in Minneapolis and by the time it gets to Europe people have kind of doing two things with it, really. One is they're expressing solidarity with African-Americans. And the other is they are kind of hoping that there'll be a boomerang effect there and that they can shine a light on the oppressive racial situations in their own countries.
0: Partly, you say, this is part of a larger phenomenon of American movies, American music, American hip-hop style, dominating Europe culturally. How much of this attention to cell phone videos of American police killing African Americans is just part of what could be called American cultural imperialism?
1: Well, certainly America dominates. America dominates our lives in a range of ways that you can go into most bars in Britain and people would be able to, most bars may be an exaggeration, but they'll be able to tell you who the president of America is, no doubt several people in London will be able to tell you who the democratic nominee. Some people will be able to tell you who his vice presidential pick was. I think hmm. if you went into American place and you said, who's the prime minister of Britain, most people wouldn't know. And if you said, who's the leader of the opposition, they definitely wouldn't know. And if you said, when's the kind of, you know, election going to be then, you know, who knows? And that's because America's more powerful. That's it. I mean, it's not because America's better or Britain's worse or so on. And that's also true for black America. So we are more aware of Jay-Z than Americans are of Stormzy. I was more aware of African-American literature growing up than I was of Caribbean literature, that's where my parents are from, from Barbados, or black British literature. I was much more aware of Maya Angelou and Alice Walker and Sawaka Shange and Richard Wright and so on than I was of Sam Selvan and um, uh, Constantine and uh, Cal Phillips and uh, black British writers. So America dominates and black America also dominates and it dominates not just culturally but also politically.
0: Does the ubiquity of these cell phone videos of of police killing black people in Minneapolis and Louisville and Atlanta, does this give Europeans a feeling of superiority over America? Because whatever racial problems you have, your racism is not as violent or vicious or widespread as the Americans. Is that a general feeling? Certainly among white Britons, among them,
1: not all of them. America is militarily superior, it's economically superior, it's politically more powerful. All that Europe has left is a sense of moral superiority. There is a notion of America being worse, that these things happen over there. And of course, there are some... Facts to contend with. America is a more lethal country, generally. It has a lot of guns. Uh, It executes people. Even suicide is more violent in America and more likely to succeed. So in a range of ways, America is more lethal and therefore its racism is more lethal. In Britain, cops don't carry guns, but in Germany, in France and elsewhere, they do. But the terms and conditions almost under which they would use them are gonna be more restrained. So there is, there is a sense that can, can be a sense that American racism is not just more lethal, but America is a worse place to be if you're black. Now, of course, you have to contend with that, the fact that America has a black middle class, Europe doesn't, America's had a black president, Europe hasn't had one and isn't gonna have one for quite some time, I'd be amazed if it did. Uh, America has black CEOs in a way that Europe, there's a range of ways in which America is different, not least if it has centuries old black institutions, which Europe doesn't. So among white Europeans, there is certainly a sense that, and I've had someone say this to me, well, that couldn't happen here, or at least that doesn't happen here. But of course, we are no strangers to racist violence, to racial violence. Pretty much every country has a totemic death of a young black, usually a man, not always, but usually a young black man that they can talk to. So there is that too.
0: And does this, feel, this feeling of moral superiority over the United States, is this a sentiment on the left in Europe as well as the center and the right?
1: Yes. I would say among, among a certain kind of liberal European there would be this notion that America is a more brutal country, and this is a prime example. But another way of understanding that would be, although they would never say this, our racism is more genteel.
0: We'll, we'll come back to that idea. In, in, of course, most of the recent outrage of the last decade is a consequence of this new technology of the cell phone video. Are there cell phone videos of police violence against people of color in, in Britain in Europe? Not of killings. No, of, there was just one, just the other day
1: of a black MP who was stopped and, um, uh, she was in a car with a friend. Uh, it's a nice car. So they were stopped. So there are videos of people being stopped. There are a couple of videos of people being beaten up. I cannot recall any of anyone being killed in the kind of um, tradition of, in the way of uh, Tamir Rice, George Floyd, Walter Scott. I I haven't seen any of those. I mean, a lot less people are killed in general, you know, social violence. And therefore, by the time you get to police violence, it's, it's a lot more rare.
0: And in your article in the New York Review, you say that the biggest difference between racism in Europe and the United States is that the most violent acts of European racism were practiced in their colonies. You call that the offshoring of responsibility.
1: If you look at recent, I would call it recent European history as opposed to American history, Europe exported its racism, I mean we should never forget that slavery came from Europe to the Americas. it wasn't the other way around. Uh, I mean uh, uh, the Americans were happy to kind of take it on and take it over but um, it's not, it wasn't a Native Americans idea and um, it wasn't a pilgrims idea, it came uh, it, um, it came from the old world and, and that as such Britain and Portugal and France and uh, Belgium, Germany for a while, uh, Denmark more in Italy, uh, Holland quite conclusively, that they, all Italy, they all had their segregation, their Jim Crow abroad. They had their civil rights movements abroad. Our civil rights leaders were Gandhi and Nkrumah Um, Nyeri and Kenyatta, you know, Cabral and others for other countries. So what that has done has given a distance, a physical distance, which has enabled a kind of psychic distance, really. And also it means that the lived experience in America of segregation, for example, has still to work its way out of the system, whereas Europe rarely had segregation in Europe the segregation was in Kenya and Ghana and and so on and so that's given Europeans a kind of a way out a way to kind of remove themselves from the horrors of their racism I like to say when I'm um, doing events about race and history and so on I say it's weird because people say we won the war even if they didn't fight and they weren't born and they say we won the world cup even if they didn't play, and even if they weren't born. But when you say, well, did you enslave anybody? Did you colonize anybody? They always say, well, I wasn't born. I wasn't there. That has nothing to do with me. And so the collective identity of what it means to be European suddenly becomes absent as soon as you're talking about
0: issues of race. Well, we've gone all this while without mentioning Donald Trump. And that's the great thing about the Black Lives Matter movement. It's bigger than Donald Trump. Getting rid of Donald Trump is not gonna solve the problem of you know, America's original sin. And the recent spate of police violence that's been documented so vividly in cell phone videos also predates Donald Trump. In fact, the Obama era was, was sort of the, what should we call it? Kind of the breakthrough moment for Black Lives Matter. Isn't that right?
1: That's right, yes. The kind of, um, what makes it systemic is the fact that regardless of who's in power, regardless of who's in charge, this thing has continued quite faithfully. And so we're talking about a system rather than an individual. And I think Trump certainly had empowered a kind of nativist sense of entitlement and of antagonism. But first of all, it didn't invent it. And secondly, it both predates and will postdate him. And so I do think his presence has helped coalesce on both sides of the uh, uh, Atlantic actually, a kind of uh, outrage, a sense of outrage, but it would be a real mistake to think that it, that it lands and stays there. And I think that when you look at the way that it has caught on like a bushfire around Europe, you can see that people get that, that it goes beyond him.
0: So let's talk about um, racism and, and violence in, in Britain and in Europe and the fight against it, which has always been a left-wing cause. Mm.
1: If you look at how it landed in Britain uh, and elsewhere, I can talk with some authority elsewhere. There were pre-existing campaigns in, in France, the campaign for Adam a but, uh, In Holland, he's the kind of, he's Santa's sidekick. He's this kind of in, in blackface, kind of uh, whipping up the children. Uh, these are campaigns have been going on for a long time, but they found a kind of a force in this moment. But what we don't have in Britain, and elsewhere in Europe are institutions, either black churches or a black bourgeoisie, as you do have in America, or um, organizations like the NAACP or Urban League or organizations that have been around for at least a hundred years who have roots uh, either in a community or in the polity. We don't have a Congressional Black Caucus, we don't have any of those things. And so even more than in America, these moments act like floating signifiers and they attach themselves to whatever's going on. And then they kind of develop a life of their own. So in Britain has been primarily, not primarily, but it's been about statues and uh, statues to slave owners and so on, and decolonizing the curriculum. It's possible in England to go all the way through school and not know about the empire uh, (laughs) in a way that I don't think it's possible to go through even a southern school in America and not know that there was segregation or that that there was slavery and that they were a part of it. Uh, There was the pulling down of the Edward Colston statue in Bristol, And who is he? Edward Colston was a slave trader, a 19th century slave trader. There was the defacing of the Leopold uh, of Belgium, who did absolutely appalling things in uh, what is now Zaire and the Congo. So his statue was defaced in Antwerp and I think in Brussels as well. There was a statue defaced in Portugal, I think. I think Lisbon had its biggest anti-racist demonstration ever in response to Black Lives Matter. Now, given that Portuguese decolonized in 74, and has a significant number of black people, that tells you something about the kind of power of this moment. And in most places, people are saying the same thing. If you think this is just about America, you've got another thing coming. We need to talk about what's going on here. In France, police and death in uh, uh, police custody. Similarly, in Britain, significant discrepancies uh, in income, unemployment, and so on. And in Britain, and I would suspect the rest of Europe, but in Britain, I can tell you for sure, significant discrepancies like in America over who was suffering and dying from COVID meaning if you were black, Bangladeshi, Pakistani, you were massively more likely to suffer and to die. If you were Indian, you were significantly more likely. All of these, so it landed in this place.
0: You say you've often been pressed to concede that things are better for black people in Britain than in the United States, and that you should know since you've lived in both places. What do you tell the people who press you on that?
1: Well, that's right. I mean, I I lived in America for 12 years as a Guardian correspondent and a a Tide Media Fellow and a nation columnist. And when I said I was going back to Britain, which was during the 2015, during the height of Black Lives Matter, and people said, "Are, are you going because America is so racist? And I would say, well, if I was leaving because America is so racist, do you think I'd be going back to Britain? Particularly here, they want to say, where is better? And I generally tell them, well, there is no better kind of racism. And so I'm not gonna start playing the game of cannibal. of where, where would you rather be discriminated against? All of these places have their challenges. And as someone with kids who was born in America, who were born in America and have dual citizenship, it's not like I think, well, if you go to one of these two places, your life will be fine. You will have no problems. Uh, you will have different problems and different opportunities in both places.
0: There is no better kind of racism. Gary Young wrote about what Black America means to Europe for the New York Review. Thank you, Gary. It's great to have you on the show.
1: Thanks for having me.